Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope, that the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful that you have given us the privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before. All the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fierce depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God has given us his mercy to be found on, on the feast. To feed from this word, this food. And we are continuing as obedient children to surround this word which the Lord has given for his church through his messenger, through his apostle, our pastor, Brother Arkady. And this word and this revelation that is meant to bring. God's chosen remnants to rapture in order to be raptured to the Lord and to dwell with Him always. And this revelation was poured out in a series of sermons and we are continuing to surround it, pay attention to these three verbs which are highlighted brightly here. This is to set aside, renew, and to clothe. What do we set aside? We must set aside the former way of the old man. What is this way of life? This is the evil, evil image that is expressed in a program which we have ex accepted in the seed of our far fathers. This is a sinful life. This is the attempt to please God with our flesh. This is idolatry. This is the search for God using the incorrect methods and means and trying to please God, not according to the will of God. There is a lot that is contained here. So what we've listed is simply the tip of the iceberg. 
further our, all the lusts, all the sins. And of course, one of the most main sins is idolatry that is expressed in disobedience to the, towards the authority that is set by God. But we have set aside this former way of life of the old man. We have despised him. And the Lord, according to his mercy, has revealed to us this image. And we have seen it to our pleasure, to our benefit. We have seen it. First, this was to our doubt, but then it was to our joy. Because some people hear the word of God for years. And they still aren't able to understand what this old man is, what it looks like, or what it is in general. But God has uncovered it for us and has revealed it with a great quality. And there is a clear portrait of this old man that is written, which has allowed us, with our faith, working with the Word of God, to set aside this former way of life of the old man. And the next verb is to renew. After we set aside the former way of life of the old man, the Lord again by the power of the Holy Spirit upon his holy place, through our partaking to this holy place, when we unite ourselves to the body and the love of God, and when we collaborate with the Word of God, our mind has begun to be renewed. with the spirit of our mind so there is a way of life of the old man and there is a way an image of a new man and the lord uncovers this image and he says through his messengers imitate me as i imitate christ and look upon those who have the image or when you have the image as you ought to behave as true children of God as messengers of God and if you see this image in another you also are able to imitate it in your leader in an elder person and so forth so we can see this image observe it and imitate it and thus when we collaborate when we dwell in the Word of God and when we see this image that is inside, it is called the spirit of our mind. Then we receive the opportunity to be renewed and to be transformed into a new image. And third, the final verb, an important one, which we highlight have highlighted, this is to be clothed into the new man created by God, that which has renewed in us, now we must be clothed into it. And this is called to become our garments. And how is it expressed? Here in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 10 through 11, it says, there is a kind of proclamation of the words of truth, a strong proclamation of the faith of our heart present here. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. 
As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. A process of sowing and reaping. We are coming to the final concluding days that are leading to the harvest. The final days that the Lord is going to produce. And we see and we hear this harvest, which begins... And do you know what we see this in? We see this in the fact that the Lord has sent His word and give his, given His revelation to the church about how to prepare for this day. Before sending a flood, God gave a revelation how to prepare for this flood. He gave it to one person. And those that were found under the shadow, under the authority and responsibility of this person, whom they uh, had acknowledged as their father, this was called a family. We are one big family. And it is the good thing about today's days that this word could be passed along only at such a close distance. Right now, God makes the, gives this word such great wings and this family can feel a partaking to this house. Hearing this through the hearing this word through uh, through the internet and mass media. This is the goodness that is in today's days. And even if there are not a lot of us present here, we know that there are people whom the Lord is preparing to meet with Him, very many of them. God has always given, also given us a revelation in that before He is going to rapture His church, His chosen remnants, His chosen sons and daughters, have prepared themselves he is going to come and be revealed in their bodies glorified and in a unique way in such a way that this glory of God will be evident on the earth in such a way that it never has been before since the creation of man we read that place of scripture before not too long ago during last Sunday, Joel chapter 2, the people are rising, the day of the Lord is coming, the day of harvest. This is the day of battle, the day of the battle cry. And the Lord has commanded His saints to beat the sound of the trumpet in Zion, for the day is coming. Therefore we are preparing to partake to the judgments of God and we are preparing to that day when He comes to be glorified in the bodies of His saints. And we are going to partake in the judgments of God. Because God is revealed through His judgments. The Lord was known in the judgment of which He had conducted and fulfilled. And in this manner, for us to have an opportunity to partake with God in His judgments, because scripture says this is the honor of all his saints you know not all saints collaborate with this truth therefore they lose it scripture says be vigilant so that no one may take your crown so vigilance is comprised of dwelling in this word 
and as a result to be clothed in these words and as we've been taught to be clothed this we can't just be clothed in words God has given us the method and the means in which we can be clothed in these words we must accept this word in our heart we must offer fruit our garments will be as a garden that produces fruit and then we are clothed in these garments of righteousness and we are ready and we then are able to partake and to walk with God and to partake in the judgments of God God this kind of a person will conduct his judgment on the earth but in order for this to happen we are called to fulfill our role God very clearly has outlined the role what role he fulfills and gives and what role a person is called to fulfill and we are concentrating on this for God has given us or our pastor has given seven conditions in which is the fullness of God in which is the wisdom of God so that we could be able to practice the judgments of God and be clothed in redemption that is yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. Each detail of the yearly celebration of Pesach had appointed the legal right to exit out of Egypt and this symbolizes the right to deliverance from the vain life of our forefathers and entrance into the promised land, which symbolized the right to final deliverance from the slavery of sin and death in the body. So every person that is born of God searches for the final deliverance. Yes, God has given us His mercy and we have taken into captivity this old man. He is found in captivity, but we are waiting for the final, or rather we are languishing and waiting and not just we, but also the angels and all of the creation of God waits for the redemption of our bodies. And this promised land points to this, it points to this right, to the final deliverance from slavery to sin in the body. It also in the future points to the final deliverance of the perishable body itself and the mortal soul. The saints are going to be clothed in imperishability which, thanks to worthy partaking of the Pesach Lamb, saints are going to be clothed into imperishability and immortality, and we will be raptured upon the morning star that rises on the horizon of our spirit. I asked before, some people came to me to work, and I said, well, try hard. And they tell me, why are you trying hard? It's such an inexpensive house. And I said, this house needs to stand for the thousand years. Imagine the thousand-year reign is coming. We are found on the mountains of Israel in ministry, and then uh, someone asks, who did this kind of work? Send him here. We need to fix it. Imagine that we need to turn away from our important works and to come to Portland to do or fix something here. And I was uh, joking. And they asked me in disbelief, they're like, is that going to happen? I said, well, you know, with a thousand-year reign, you heard of it, right? And they say, well, we've read about it. 
but we thought that we would die, and then would be the coming of Christ. We said, no, we will not die. We are going to be raptured, and we will come with the Lord to the earth. And this, of course, was a reason um, to be to share a testimony with them. Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions that are written in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. During previous sermons, we have already looked at these nine conditions and have stopped to study the final triumphant condition in which the redemption of God and man was called to triumph over death and sin. This was the need to eat of the Pesach lamb in haste. Exodus 12:11. God wanted to lead his saints into victory over death, and God led the people of Israel as an image. It's written that all of these were images for us. Yes, the Lord had literally led people out of Egypt. The Lord had quite literally uh, conducted His judgments over Egypt. And all of this, though, happened as an image. The element of haste, Exodus 12:11. let's read this place of Scripture. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Haste. The element of haste upon eating of the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture as a certain unchanging law. It is this element that was used in the Exodus out of Egypt, and it is this element that was elevated to the rank of a special calling. So this had happened quickly. God very quickly had led the people out of Egypt. And of course, we are paying our attention on this haste, why he gave us this image. Why was this written about so clearly in scripture? It says that these were the breads of We had a cell group, and in what home we were going to conduct it, there the bread is prepared. And one sister always has very good bread, and I ask, what do you put in there? She says, I put sour cream and everything else. I said, what kind of sour cream? Well, this bread is supposed to be leavened. And, of course, we then removed uh, the sour cream. There, It must be very simply made. These uh, pastor had explained to us that when we leave out of Egypt, when we are freed from our soul, when we are freed from our carnal nature, then this is a calamity for the soul. This is a kind of time that is very difficult for the soul. This is a feast for the spirit. The Passover is a feast for the spirit. And then sometimes when a person exits a carnal state, he is sad, he's lost. He forgets his nation, his household, his habits. And sometimes it takes quite long for God to lead a person to the promised land. And they carried this Egypt with them for many years. And they had felt the 
things that they were missing out on, the taste of that food that they were used to in Egypt. But when the people grew, when they had undergone all of this, they then had died for this in such a way that they forgot or, or no longer knew the, these aromas in this carnal nature. We, in this moment, begin to be satisfied by every service as a feast, because each time we are found on this place, the Lord conducts a feast for us. And it is this element of haste that was elevated to the rank of a special sign. Haste, aside from its literal meaning, to hurry, to not be late, in the dimension of the Spirit, it contains completely different definitions. So literally, let us hasten to perfection is important. We can't tarry, we can't slow down, we can't bargain with God. We can't offer something of our own to God. As soon as a person hears, in other words, in order for us to hastily grow in God, as soon as we hear the truth, we must immediately accept it and immediately implement it into our essence. Into Otherwise, we are then going to walk around the mountain, and this is very dangerous, very dangerous position. There, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, uh, was dismayed. Because he didn't hasten. They told him, her hasten to perfection. The word of God says that this is the rank, a special sign from God for you to hasten. But there is also a completely different definition contained in this word, and let's pay attention to this definition. To hasten is to take the yoke upon ourselves, to carry our cross, endure suffering, be clothed in the mantle of disciple, to be clothed in the armor of light, to renew our thinking, to ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to hear the word of God with fear and trembling, and to stand watch of non-distortion of the word of God. So we must implement these and fulfill the statute of the Pesach, and considering the definition of these, uh, this will be imputed to us as obedience and perfection, and we are going to be delivered, and these promises will be revealed in our lives. We begin to look at the signs that define haste through the worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb. So these signs are when we look not on somebody but when we check out and verify ourselves. Pastor had provided eight signs. We are studying the sixth one, and I will repeat the first five that we have already gone over. And we again, when as we hear this, we are looking for it in ourselves, for we are testing and examining ourselves if we are in the faith or not. What about my wife? Is she in the faith or not? You know, we shouldn't. We were not appointed by the Holy Spirit to look over our neighbor. We are called to pray. If we see that somebody is uh, is having a difficult time, we pray for him. Uh, some people ask, well, my husband, he's not dedicating himself. We ought to pray for him, but we are called to examine ourselves. 
God gives us this rod, this reed. This is the word of God that is spoken by the anointed man of the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is given as a reed, as a measuring tool. And of course, somebody who is called a disciple, he must apply it to himself. The first sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to ponder upon the contents of the Pesach feast, or rather over those truths which we are fertilizing ourselves with through the seed of the heard word. When we hear this word and when we accept it, we are being fertilized. Therefore, take heed how you hear and what you hear, what kind of words we listen to, and what kind of words we might uh, might bring danger in our lives. We must be very careful who we are listening to. And there's a certain meaning contained in this, and we are, we are called to ponder, ponder upon this word which we are doing right now in this very moment. The second sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in our hearts we can see, and it is revealed when we eat of or when we hear the word of God in the humility and contrition of the heart. A contrite heart is the decision of a person. To break our heart is to acknowledge the rod of the lips of God. And in this manner, to break the Gentiles in our heart. And then, to break our insides before God. as the woman who came to anoint Jesus has had done. She had to pour out the contents of her heart before the Lord and for the Lord. Thus our heart is brought to contrition and it becomes humble before the Lord. Acknowledgement of the authority of God. When we acknowledge the rod, it is said, listen to the rod and him who placed it. The third sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to be vigilant or to stand watch over that word which we ponder upon or that which we eat of through hearing the word of God. And we know, and military strategists know, that it is not difficult to ascend on some kind of height. I remember a funny instance and that I will share with you. In childhood... There were about 20 ciphers that were brought and they were placed against the house. And there was a classmate that came up. Uh, these were 20 stones, I should say. And there were th three of us and we tried to reach all the way to the top. We would come to the top and then we would slide down. And then our dog then runs up. He was a very playful one. And we know our dog, and I grew scared in this moment. Our neighbor came, and I thought, he's going to bite our neighbor because he was big, playful, but he didn't like strangers, and he would bite them. I looked at him in one second, but he's already sitting at the, at the top. I thought, I'm trying this for 30 minutes, uh, yet he is he, there in a second. To get up on the height is easy, but when the enemy is going to bring you down, this is a lot more difficult. And for this to not happen, we must be continually vigilant and we must be strengthened. To be strengthened by 
the Lord by the might of His power. And this means to visit cell group services upon opportunity to be at all services. So in our free time, to turn on perhaps on our phone or there are different methods to re-listen to the sermon so that we are vigilant. For us to be vigilant, we must continue to listen and listen to this word because a person is made in such a way that he forgets. Therefore, we are reminded. He says, do these things and we getting up, going along the way, going down, ought to remember this word. The fourth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste. If I've come once a week and I've listened to the sermon, I looked in the mirror and I say, you know, when I hear the true word of God, the mirror shows us who we are. And of course, when we prepare and we, when we search from God, we can see. But there are the foolish. He came, they came, they come, they look, and then they leave and they forget about it. We ought not to forget. fourth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste is to cherish the time that is given to eat of the Pesach. The time on earth is very short. We are given time. So that we don't just grow up, have some kind of profession, career, then give, uh, get married, have lots of children, and then a wise person says, even somebody that is stillborn is even happier than this kind of a person that had all these things in his life. To know and acknowledge the truth of God in time and to cherish each minute when we hear the word of God, but we don't offer this immediate fulfillment of this word, but when we don't react quickly to paying the price. We can't allow this to slip from us because time is slipping away like sand through our fingers. And a person, therefore, then doesn't have enough time. If we cherish time, this means that we have this sign. The fifth sign of eating of the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find satisfaction in eating of the Pesach and the subject of the desire to hear the preached word of the kingdom of heaven and to find joy. Of course, we endure joy when we, I remember, in about seventh grade, we were all, we, there were eight classes total, eight grades total in the seventh grade. My mom says, there's uh, study hard because you are Christian, you are believers. And then they, we have, we're friends with teachers, then we begin to feel this freedom. And then my mother says, important thing is that we are never called to the school. I w always was a forced of a, a B, B student and then I became a C student after this even slipping down to D and I barely barely passed with a C score 
I liked school, but after such a relationship, I grew lazy and I began, it began very difficult for me to study. So if we don't pay the price in time, we grow bored in church and nauseous and even to the point where we might want to fall asleep. And then a person begins to think, well, why do I come every time? Why am I burning gas? I can sit at home and watch. The atmosphere is already uh, full of pollution. Why would I drive? No, this means that this now is a D student. But when we with joy, when we do what we need to do to get to church this means we have good grades and the sixth sign that we will stop to talk about is to eat the basic of the Lord in haste in Hebrew this means to fulfill our salvation with fear trembling and reverence fear trembling and reverence we ought to behave in such a way to salvation Philippians 2 12 with fear and trembling fulfill your salvation Fear and trembling is the requirement necessary to be clothed in the mantle of justice and to fulfill the justice of God in haste it is necessary to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Filled in such a way that this fear of the Lord began to be poured out so that it is visible until a person is filled with the fear of the Lord. Then looking at him we might not be able to see this fear. It is inside, it is hidden. But here it is written that a person ought to be overfilled with the fear of the Lord like Christ. Isaiah 11.3 says, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and let them judge not by the sound of their ears. If he, if Christ was called to eat of the milk and honey, which is what we are doing now, and when he was filled in a moment, he was filled with this fear of the Lord. And this fear of the Lord began to be poured out in him, and God led him out to service. Then we also, according to the image of the Son of God, are called to be filled with the fear of the Lord. We should know that the fear of the Lord is one of the virtues and properties from which, in the literal sense of the word, will depend our present and our future. Astonishing our present and our future. In Scripture, fulfillment with the fear of the Lord according to His power and dynamics is equal to being filled with the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Wisdom, and therefore to be filled with the fear of the Lord is first, to be led by the fear of the Lord, to be dependent on the fear of the Lord, third, to bind ourselves to the fear of the Lord, fourth, to act in the fear of the Lord, fifth, to live in the fear of the Lord, six, to rejoice in the fear of the Lord, and seventh, to worship in the fear of the Lord. According to its nature, the fear of the Lord it does not look like the fear of man, because the fear of man denies a person the opportunity to fulfill some kind of judgment, whereas the fear of the Lord, on the contrary, endows a person with that wisdom and those powers to judge and bring to fulfillment the judgments of God which the Lord has spoken and has sealed in His word. And so to be filled with the fear of the Lord, it is necessary to, first, to study the nature of the fear of the Lord or to provide a clear definition to the fear of the Lord. Before we move further, there was a place of scripture that I remembered here. Psalms that is written, Come, children, 
Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We must know the order of God to understand the essence of this fatherhood and to understand through whom God is going to teach, to teach us the fear of the Lord. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. To teach means this is a process. It's not that a person heard us and was filled. There will This will take time. This is a certain school, and this is a relationship between a father and son and a level of dedication. When I was talking to one person from the church where I was from long ago, and he listening to me, and as I was testifying, he asked questions, and then he says, you... You are ours, right? He was an older person, and I said, You know, that's not true. I am not yours. I don't want to lead you to confusion, and I see that you are speaking in confusion, that which is not uh, not true. You know, God has revealed to me His fatherhood and our pastor and Brother Arkadi, and I had made the decision to share with him this life and death, to be with him in life and death. And that's why I tell this person, I am sorry for this truth, but I am not yours. And I saw that his face grew very gray. He wanted some kind of different answer. Come to visit us and so forth. And I say, you know, I don't have time. I don't have time to visit because I have the place where the Lord feeds me, where he disciplines me where I am taught the fear of the Lord, for God has opened to me the Father. If we don't have this kind of Father, we don't have the opportunity to be taught the fear of the Lord. It is impossible to learn it without having the Father uh, and just reading the Word ourselves and to listening to whoever we want. This would be impossible. It would be impossible to be taught the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord as a seed is from one generation to another, from one righteous generation to another. Through the hearing of the word of truth and only in such a way. Second, to study the purpose of the fear of the Lord in our relations, this is a certain order which our pastor had received from God. So each truth, we look at it from four different angles and a different uh, kind of angle. This is the definition, the purpose, the condition for gaining this truth and the result according to which we will then test and examine ourselves. Have we correctly gained this truth and acquired it? Before we begin to study the nature of the fear of the Lord, we should note that the fear of man as well as the demonic fear. Revelation chapter 11 verse 11 says, Now after the three and a half days the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. This is talking about believers but who are outside of the order of God. And Scripture defines these people as those that are called. They are called, but they have not partaken to the category of the chosen, because those out of the called must be selected by God, chosen by God, and must collaborate with this choosing so that they can become 
the remnants. There it talks about two prophets in this instance that testify. And when they had concluded their testimony, the animal or the beast that came out from the depths had killed them in a certain way. Of course, there's a spiritual significance and meaning behind this. And those people living on the earth, these are people whom the Lord has enlightened by the knowledge of with the knowledge of his truth but they had refused to collaborate with God on his conditions therefore they couldn't be seated in heaven with God they were left under the number of man as inhabitants of the earth but we are inhabitants of the earth the representatives of the earth God has placed us in heaven through Christ Jesus this didn't happen automatically. This happens through collaboration. And these people, it says, they didn't allow for these two prophets to be... After three and a half days, the spirit of life came in them from God, and there was strong demonic fear among those who looked at them and saw this happening. And this God began to uh, do His work through this. But people had a demonic fear because they were unprepared. They had missed out on something as Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had done. Under this fear that came on the people is the fear and trembling uh, from the comprehension of the retribution that is waiting for them. James, or... Uh, James 2, 19-20 You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you, but do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? A person that is foolish, when there is tribulation, then his building that was built without a foundation is going to be destroyed. Its name is Babylon. So in the eyes of people, and outwardly, it looked great in grandeur. But before God, this was like a bubble that would pop. A person, because this person does not pay the price, does not fulfill the word of God. Therefore, in every truth, pastor always says, take a look. This is the truth. It serves for what? It serves for the fall. It serves us for the following purposes. It is necessary for us, but for us to be able to take it, to take it, in our acquisition, we need to pay a certain price. We need to purchase it to buy this word. A person has purchased it, and now we verify according to the result. Did anybody give you a forgery? I remember when we came to Russia after living here for three years. The money had changed during that time. We come out to the airport. We need to change dollars to rubles. And then all of a sudden, there were good, kind people. They offer the, to be uh, to exchange currency for us. Then we figured we would obtain these rubles. Let's go eat somewhere. And someone tells us, what are you doing? These are uh, This is unlawful money. They've been changed two years ago to something else. Somebody had lied to us because we uh, didn't know the laws very well. We need to check first what the rules are. We didn't know that the currency was changed. 
Satan sometimes offers people this type of forgery. Therefore, we must always check. Is this truth correctly working my essence? If it doesn't, I need to verify. Where did I purchase it? Where did this truth come from? Perhaps I found it somewhere on the internet. So-called internet. Or so-called truth that is found on the internet. We are defining again what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord provides a definition of the name of God. So the name of God is fear, in which is hidden the treasury of our redemption and our protection. Isaiah 8.13 The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear, and let him be your trembling. Next, the fear of the Lord is the coming of God in the tents of his people, that protecting them from the enmity against kings with a kind of strength that brings them to astonishment. Psalms chapter 48 verses 3 through 6 says, God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge, for behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold of them there, and, uh, and pain as a woman in birth pangs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is endowed with a transcendent purity that dwells forever and expresses itself in the true and righteous judgments. When a person is unable to speak the truth, when he doesn't have a sober, clear understanding about God's truth, you know, we must speak the truth. We have home cell groups where we try to speak of this truth, um, awaken a person for him to be able to speak with his lips, to be able to speak this truth, and this is important. It is important for a person to do this because the fear of the Lord is pure. And when I have the knowledge of truth, and I can uh, clearly express it, but if I stumble in my understanding, when I don't have the fear of the Lord, but if I have the fear of the Lord, I am able to speak of this truth, to say of it, because I understand it clearly. I understand it because it is engraved so clearly, so that he who reads can clearly read this truth. Sometimes I ask someone a question and somebody is lost. When a person is silent, it's as if he knows this truth, and this is good that he knows it, but he must speak it. We can even train at home. You come home before cell group and church. There's two hours, 10, 15 minutes you eat, you go home. And then for an hour and a half, you repeat the lesson, you speak it, not just to read it, not just to think this is important, but to speak this truth. And this is a very important instrument to be able to speak the truth of God. Our lips is such an important instrument that we use to speak the word. Let the book of the law not to leave our lips. It is important in our head, everything is good but we must speak it through our lips. 
Next, the fear of the Lord, again, is pure. And we are called to be able to declare these judgments of God. The fear of the Lord is the expression of the paths of the Lord that are a stronghold for the unblemished. Proverbs 10.29, and another place of scripture, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. And Jeremiah 10.2 says, the Lord says, Do not learn the ways of the Gentiles, and do not fear the signs of the heaven which the Gentiles fear. So a person who has or is led by the fear of the Lord, he is not going to be fearful of that which is happening around him. He will be completely calm. Comes to Elisha and says, Master, look, look, we are surrounded. We are going to be raised from the face of the earth. He, the prophet, is there sitting quietly. Praise the Lord, open the, their eyes. The eyes of faith. It is important to see and to to not be fearful of that which is happening around us. People say, look, this is happening, that is happening. We were coming to America and then we came across this book called 666. And I was 17 years old, but I was a courageous person. I could find a group of people in a dark place and I could fight them without... I, was, of course, defended myself, but I had no fear. I asked for forgiveness. I misspoke. I never caused these fights, but I protected myself. I had no fear. But when I had heard, when people came to us and they read this book, they had brought such fear upon me that my blood began to boil from this horror and we're going to this America and in Europe there's this computer, everyone has a chip that is being inserted into them. But when I came and I heard a pastor, he destroys all of these lies and I feel deliverance from this wild kind of fear that had come upon me. People say, these people are being chipped we again are found in the end days therefore do not fear those the fear of god in us makes us absolutely at peace there were other lies that were spread that when an asteroid hits the earth and everything is going to be destroyed Let them prepare how they please, but we are going to be prepared for rapture because we're very close and we don't even have time to think about this topic that there's an asteroid that's going to hit. Time is flying and is coming to an end. The fear of the Lord is the expression of the ways of the Lord that are a stronghold for the unblemished. Next, the fear of the Lord is the source of the life of God. The fear of the Lord is yielded in the treasury that is expressed in the stability of times. Isaiah 33, 6. So their problems are coming up. They're saying, all oh, the Antichrist, Antichrist is going to come and he's going to watch us. And here it says, but the saints who are filled with the fear of the Lord, they have a promise. There will be wisdom and knowledge the stability of times and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord, is His treasure. All of this is through fear. 
the fear of the Lord. Through the fear of the Lord, there will be this stability of times and the strength of salvation, this wisdom, this knowledge, the understanding of life on the earth, the understanding of all processes. All of this works on the church. All of that which is happening works on the church. The fear of the Lord is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that is contained in the righteousness of God regarding self-control and the judgment to come. Acts 24-25 Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. This is a certain humor listed here. He couldn't even hear anymore listen anymore about how soon each person will be able will be given an account before God next the fear of the Lord is the perfect love of God agape that casts out human fear first John 418 says there's no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love I am grateful to God for the service of our pastor that it just hearing, listening to the truth and being clothed in this treasure of the fear of the Lord, Ex- accepting it as from the Father to the Son. This fear of the Lord has delivered me from many different kinds of phobias, fears, and lots of unnecessary worries. The fear of the Lord is the knowledge of God that comes from God, yielded by an open conscience before God and people. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Knowing therefore the fear of the Lord. So the people of God ought to know the fear of the Lord. What kind of fear this is. And according to this, we define, we're reminded of certain definitions that have been given to us by the man of God. And in Scripture, there are a lot more places of Scripture pastor found it necessary to provide that minimum that is in the format of this given service. And this is important for us. The true fear of the Lord takes up lots of pages in the Holy Scripture. And so knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So a person who has and who knows the fear of the Lord, he's able to share with this uh, understanding. Look, here is what will cause retribution. You ought not to say this. You ought not to say this or that word. Uh, there's this one person that says, this is what is written. And I then have an electronic uh, symphony in front of me, the book, and I say, well, stop one second. I don't remember for this to be written. Let's check. We open. There is no such place. I say, you don't lie to me. Don't lead me to doubt. It says, well, this is written somewhere in the wisdom of Solomon. I say, well, find it and bring it to me. The wisdom of of Solomon, a great book, but it is not godly inspired. Uh, godly inspired. It is not that place of that book that we ought to build our foundation on. But you are speaking this as it, though it is your foundation, as a fundamental place of scripture. You know in scripture that whoever adds or takes away, whoever adds 
God will cause plague. Why do you want plague? Because you are adding, or whoever takes away, or subtracts, removes. God will remove their partaking in the book of life. He says, well, at least I've spoken with this one person. After my conversation, he stopped eating pork. And I listened to this and I said, tell me, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues? He says, yes. I say, oh, that means that you have two cloven hooves. And he asks me, three days later, he says, well, three days, I can't be brought to rest. What did you mean when you said that I am like, uh, I have cloven hooves? And then again, I testified what pastor has told us. What cloven hooves mean? I say, you understand, pigs also have cloven hooves, and it is a very, very deep division. But we ought to also chew the gum. But if you, for example, bring a place of scripture and you distort it, are you chewing this gum? No, that means you are unclean before God and I can't even converse with you. And then this person began to uh, repent because he understood. The fear of the Lord is being is a correction that destroys the strongholds of Satan and the minds of people, which is abundant today. People distort. Literally, they place... they speak places of scripture not as they are written and through this we can define that these people do not have the fear of the Lord when they cite places of scripture and when they cite them incorrectly 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 6 we ought to act toward this with trembling we're talking about uh, many different components and under each there uh, there are uh, there are places of scripture. Sometimes there are three or four places of scripture. Pastor has taught us what lays as a signature. Here is a place of scripture. Here is a place of scripture that verifies this this thought. Second Corinthians chapter ten verses four through six. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. The second question. What purpose, again, we defined what the fear of the Lord is. Now, what is it for? What is its purpose? What is the purpose of the fear of the Lord in our relations with God? First, the fear of the Lord is called upon affirmation of the judgments of God to endow us with the opportunity uh, to be uh, attentive, to be attendant and observant of our ways. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 7. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality nor taking of bribes. To be attentive is to not be uh, not be based on uh, bribes. A person who has been uh, placed by God to conduct judgment, and we know that we are we have been placed by God to do this exclusively in the spheres in which God has allowed us to carry responsibility for this. 
and we ought not to be impartial. We will try to very softly if this is a sphere of our responsibility in which we ought to say something, we ought not to show this partiality, show no impartiality, no show no partiality. And praise be to God that we are able to speak the word of God with this gentleness. In some spheres, we ought not to say anything. We ought to simply pray for Him, not tell Him, to not correct Him, to not be a Holy Spirit for Him, to not tell Him right away to show this place of scripture to them. Yes, we are warriors. We have swords that are carved. They fall on their swords. It is also written. Here is where this sword is directed. But the sword is going to be used there where God gives us this responsibility. God is preparing us to fulfill and to declare His judgments. And the judgments of God are always going to be in us, but it is going to keep us eternally as a treasure before God in a, such a state that we never fall before His countenance. This is that which Satan could not gain. He could not purchase the sphere of the Lord. It is the fear of the Lord that gives the opportunity upon conducting the judgments of God. We ought not to be dependent on partiality nor the taking of bribes. To be watchful is to be careful to keep ourselves from the worship of idols and to keep ourselves from sinning. Jude one twenty three. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Second, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to protect us from the envy of the successive sinners. Proverbs twenty three seventeen through eighteen. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. When our heart begins to envy the sinner, Psalm seventy eight says. And I thought, looking upon the goodness of the years in which they live and everything in this life is good for them, they are sinning before God, but I had crucified myself. I fought with myself to depart transgression from my essence. I studied and I used the cross of Christ and was immersed into the word of God and the result I endured pain but that person did none of this and everything for him is well and fine and he says I grew envious of the foolish and then a person says I have entered into the sanctuary and I have understood what will be the end of the person who is filled with the fear of the Lord 
and who simply has accepted salvation and just rejoices and grow and uh, rejoices and doesn't know what it means to be clothed in fear and to be filled with the fear of the Lord. This person then repented for this. But if our heart abides in fear, then we do have a future. Third, the fear of the Lord is called to test us with the law of Moses and to make us capable of overcoming sin. In other words, for us to overcome sin or to depart from sin, the fear of the Lord will test us with the law of Moses. Exodus 20.20 And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Now when they grew scared, people grew scared when they saw the coming of the glory of God. They said, We don't want, please, we are not going to do this. Sometimes our pastor turns and says, I need help in this kind of ministry, and we say, Please, not me, don't place me. But you know, this is incorrect. Because we are called to be filled with the fear of the Lord. We ought to never say this. If an elder comes and says, I need help there, please begin to do this. We need to say, this, I will fulfill this. Of course, we don't talk about exceptions, but as a rule, we must have such an attitude because God has empowered His messenger to prepare His people to meet with Him. And He is in need of saints for help. And of course, we are called, for we have given ourselves up in obedience and have been placed, placed ourselves before the Lord in obedience and before the messengers of God. Here, Pastor compares being tested with the law of Moses and being tested with grace, and we are all called to undergo both tests. Those that have not undergone testing by the law of Moses cannot have the fear of the Lord, and they cannot walk by faith and live by faith, and consequently, they cannot not sin. Hebrews 12.25 See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven. Practically in this place of Scripture, the Holy Spirit, through Apostle Paul, opposes two different kinds of fears and shows the benefit and the difference, the difference between law, Moses, and faith, under which we see grace and truth yielding the nature of the fear of the Lord. The law of Moses... It has a minimum, a certain minimum requirement. When it is said there is a minimum, if you can't fulfill this minimum, then there's no reason in moving forward. So if you can't uh, pass this exam, how will you go further? There's going to be difficult topics ahead of you, difficult uh, topics. You won't be able to study. You need to at least... Uh, pass this pre-exam, which is a law of Moses, and then people say, who could be saved then? 
Jesus Christ then began to talk about the obligations between man and woman, husbands and wives. Well, if there's this obligation that it's best not to marry, this is such a difficult topic or process, others said, and so much obligation. And this is just a small part in the law, minimum in the law of Moses. It's, it's large. Who can be saved? But then Christ uncovers. It is impossible for men, but for God it is possible. Then we are called to be born of God. And when we are born of God, the law is then not for us. This minimum is not for us. The law is not placed for the righteous. The new man has been born. For him there is grace. And grace surpasses the law of Moses. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. He who speaks from heaven is Jesus, who or the messengers of God through the preachings proclaim this word. And if a person does not listen to this word, then there's a certain commandment. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, that if no one listens to this word of the messenger of God, then Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, sometimes today people, uh, they say, we will go to another church. This says that they have lost, this means that they have lost fear. And they will not overcome the punishment because they have turned away from the one who speaks from heaven. In this place of scripture, the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul he provides a difference between two kinds of fears and shows the difference between law of Moses and faith under which we mean grace and truth that yields the nature of the fear of the Lord. There are seven definitions. The fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain bond of all of those things in which what the Lord is. Second, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain goal towards which God strives. Third, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a definition of all of that which comes from God. Fourth, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain and unchanging law of God. Fifth, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain and unchanging order of the kingdom of heaven. Sixth, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain teaching about the kingdom of God. And seventh, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a definition of all of that which the kingdom of heaven is comprised of. And we no longer exclaim and say, well, who can be saved? We firmly know that it is impossible for man, but it is possible for God. In order to have the opportunity to live under grace, we must accept in ourselves the Spirit of God, the fear of the Lord, the name of God to receive on our foreheads, to collaborate with the Word of God. And the Lord makes this in us, not we do, because we on ourselves cannot do. The Lord accomplishes this in us, but we collaborate with Him. And our part is very small. It seems unimaginable to us, but in fact it is very small. When it, the word, it is finished, was spoken, 
when Jesus said it is finished, the part of God was fulfilled, now will be the far part of man, and it is a little part. His commandments are not a burden. They seem a burden when the old man is on, not crucified. When he, when a person uh, hides the old man, when he says, well, I didn't want, or this is not what I meant. Why do you think this about me? A person comes to the messenger of God, to his representative, to his replay, um, who's filling in, and he says, this is not what I meant. You know, a person of God has a revelation from God. He doesn't look at man. He doesn't look at the face of a person. He looks at the face of God. When he speaks some kind of correction or some kind of truth, that's why it's very important to understand this. All of these definitions find their legal right in the covenant of man with God, which first... The fear of the Lord and the format and the law of grace flows from the law of Moses. Second, the fear of the Lord and the format of the law of grace is opposes the law of Moses. Third, the fear of the Lord and the format of the law of grace is magnified over the law of Moses. Fourth, the fear of the Lord and the format of the law of grace replaces or abolishes the law of Moses's law of Moses. It abolishes the action of this law. If the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace replaces the law of Moses, how does it how does it replace? It is it is said, remember the Sabbath of the Lord to hallow it. And the people come to Jesus and they ask and they say your disciples they violate the sabbath they do that which they ought not to do look at the reaction of christ he doesn't say no where did you get this from that they are violating the sabbath he says yes they violate it the priests in the temple also violate it however they are not guilty here the law of moses is abolished in its literal sense and he says and i call them blameless why because the son of man is the lord of the sabbath as i am their lord and when they are in me they do not violate they are in the temple they are found in the temple therefore they do not violate it the fear of the lord in the format of the law of grace does not depend on the law of moses and seven the fear of the lord in the format of the law of grace is stricter than the law of moses to walk in the fear of the Lord is to walk in the grace of God by faith and in faith that is independent of the law of Moses. Because in the law of Moses, a person could be justified only by his own works, whereas in true faith that contains in itself the fear of the Lord, a person was called to be justified by the works of God which he had fulfilled and the redeeming grace through death and the resurrection of his Son, Jesus Christ. And we have not been able to move forward for our time has come to an end, but we were able to remember how the fear of the Lord is defined. This is the definition of the fear of the Lord. And when we began to study what, why the fear of the Lord is given by God, which is a treasure for the saints of God. 
And if the Lord allows, we will continue to study these riches. Such important components of the grace of God for us, which build the body of Christ, and they build each of us when we accept the Spirit, when we are filled with this fear of the Lord, and with this wisdom and the Spirit of the Lord, and when we are saved by this wisdom, fulfilling our salvation in the fear of the Lord. Let us thank God for His mercy to us, that He has allowed us to be in this place, and to continue to be clothed in these truths, being prepared for the glorified meeting with Him in heaven, and to His glorious judgments, which are drawing near. Let us pray and thank Him. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank You for this mercy and for this holy congregation and for your holy order we thank you that you at the end of times according to your great promise had sent your word your living word your preached word through the person whom you have selected to be your lips and our time and we have been able to hear and to open our heart for this preached word of yours that we can accept this spirit this teaching this wisdom of yours which has been made for us the riches the wisdom and the great power that is able to build up build us up in your image and to keep us in love before you withholding us from a, such a position before you that when you come for your saints you could find us clothed in the garments of justice we thank you for this depth and for this wisdom which we hear which we have loved, which we have seen as the beauty and your glory in these preached words and have been made partakers, partakers of this word. We have loved the coming of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. In his words, we have loved this place, this place from which you grow us, protect us, and depart us from the ways of death. If not you, O Lord, through your preached word and through your Holy Spirit, where would we be now? We don't know, but we are here, we are yours, 
acknowledging your authority, having loved your word, and having loved this holy partaking to the body of the Lord. We thank you for Zion, for these heights of Zion upon which you fulfill your peace. You have said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let this name, Peacemakers, be on our foreheads. We love your peace. And we are ready to use your sword in battle with the wicked. to hold your peace in our hearts. There's no peace for the wicked, says our God. We thank you for the peace of God in our hearts. We thank you that you have loved us and have washed us with your blood. And you enlighten us with your truth. through our partaking to your order, through our partaking to the words from heaven, you are continuing to teach us and to speak your word, and we rejoice in this, and we are grateful to you, Lord, and we will praise you, worship before you, rejoice in your mercies, which you have promised in which you pour out upon your holy inheritance. And when we are found in some kind of battle and in doubt, but when we remember that you have called us into your glory and you have uncovered for us our goal, allow us to not forget the goal to which you have called us, but allow us to be found in you, not with our righteousness that is from the law, but with the righteousness from God through faith, through our dwelling in the words of the Lord. We thank you for your order. We thank you for your messenger, Brother Arkadi. We bless with your holy name, and we thank you for this good news that we, that we hear for this living word. which we are filled, through which we are filled with the fear of the Lord, which is a treasure for us. We are in need of the fulfillment of your fear and allow us to know you and to continue to be strengthened by the might of your strength so that we can resist all of the temptations, all of the weaknesses, and all of the attempts of devil we will resist with a firm faith and he will run away from us may the bodies of the saints of your people be healed those that are in illness those that are in a bed of illness and we also bless and we bless our pastor 
May your power, the power of your healing and your redemption, be revealed in his body and in the body of every saint. We wait for the redemption of our bodies. We look to heaven with hope. We are filled with the trust, trusting and relying on that truth, on that word which we have accepted in our heart and which we have proclaimed with our lips. We thank you for victory in our hearts and in our bodies. And we will prepare ourselves to hearing your word in the following services so that you can lead us to the fullness. We thank you and we bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation for deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and we will conclude with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy to god our savior who alone is wise through jesus christ our lord be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.